normally, uh, my way of, every, every preacher kind of has their, their system, their pattern, their thing, and mine is typically what we would call in theological circles, Lectio Continua. So usually it's, uh, here's a book of the Bible, and we're going to take it a chapter at a time, or what, what is known as a pericope, or a section of scripture at a time, and work our way through. What I despise as a preacher is what's known as proof texting. And that is deciding what I want to say and then try to find scriptures that support it. Um, we're not going to be in Lectio Continua right now. We're going to start that in a couple of weeks. But uh, with the gospel according to Mark every year, kind of from Epiphany, uh, the time of year uh, where we celebrate as Epiphany, through Easter we try to go through a gospel because um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John... It's just a, a continual and perpetual reminder for us to be familiar with and not just know about, but know the son of the most high God. So we will start that in a minute. But <clears throat> I had planned to, um, to do a series, a two-part series on money matters, not money matters, but money matters. Uh, but it, you know, I was thinking about it at the beginning of the year because then after the big ask at the end of the year, let's talk about it when we, we don't really need to worry about it at the moment. But um, it was Pastor Doug's Christmas sermon and Pastor Greg's farewell that, that kind of that threw, th threw two things in my head that I had a hard time fighting off. So these aren't proof texting sermons, this one and next week. Next week, I'm not sure that I have the mind that is necessary to communicate clearly the, how God works throughout history in his providential care and his ordaining of each event of history. But I'm going to try. So we'll find out that next week. But um, these are themes more than they are. It's not proof testing. It's not Lectio Continua. And this one is the theme of light and darkness. And uh, that starts off right at the beginning of the scriptures in Genesis 1, 1 through 3. Uh, but I want to I get you to, I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to use an illustration. It isn't specifically biblical, but no illustration is specifically biblical. We use these ideas to help us, remind us of things. So I want to tell you a couple of things that you probably already know about the Earth's only natural satellite that we call the moon. Now, when I was growing up, some of you who are young, um, really young, you won't remember the cartoons that I watched, but I watched them. We had them back then. We had television. There were only three channels, and there's no such thing as streaming. And an iPad was actually a paper and a pencil. But, there were, and I remember this one. It was black and white. I don't know if it was a Mickey Mouse thing or what, but it was, Mickey, but it was a, a mouse got on a rocket and was shot to the moon, and it hit the moon and landed in it, and the mouse was up there eating the moon because it was made of cheese. Right, so I had this picture in my head that the moon is just a big chunk of cheese, and I wasn't a big fan of cheese back then. Uh, but I had this idea of the moon as just this kind of comical thing that's in the sky. But let me tell you a couple things about the moon that you may not know, and then I'm going to give you a thought to be thinking throughout the message, and then we'll pray, and then we'll we'll, we'll get in it. It's not a real long one today, uh, but I hope it, you will find it encouraging, like a halftime uh, halftime pep talk if you're behind in the game. Um, 
So a couple things about the moon that you may or may not know. You probably do, but um, I, I didn't. The moon is approximately 221,000 at its closest. I think it was 2016 or 2014 in its orbit around the earth. The earth and the moon were closest that they had been since 1948. So that was at 221,000 miles approximately away from the closest point of the earth to the closest point of the moon. It can vary depending on the orbits and the Earth's position and all that kind of stuff as much as uh, it, can, it can be as far as 251 or 252,000 miles away from the Earth. You might already know that. Um, you also probably already know that the moon has an effect on tides. And, but you may not know this, I didn't know this, that, that whatever side of the Earth the moon is on, because of the gravitational pull of it going around the Earth, it's pulling water toward itself, um, and that creates tides. And even the Great Lakes have tides, although it's in inches, not in feet or yards or miles in some cases. Um, but it, it affects, but did you know that the moon, which whatever side of the Earth it's, it's, uh, it's facing, if it pulls water toward itself for a high tide um, on the side of the Earth that it is, it's also creating a high tide on the other side of the planet because when it pulls the water over here, other water from the other side of the earth has to fill in and it will push up against the land masses that are there. The other thing that I found out about the moon that I did not know before is that the moon is so closely related to the earth, um, the, its orbit, that we, and I know that we only see one side of the moon, but I just assumed it was like a, like a geosynchronous satellite or something like that that's always facing in one direction, like how they do the GPS stuff. But that's not true. The moon actually rotates, but the earth rotates. And as the moon goes around the earth, it rotates in such a way, and we rotate in such a way that we're always seeing the same side of the moon. We can see up to 59% of the surface of the moon because of the, the, the global or spherical shape of it. But there's a dark side of the moon that we never see. It never reflects the sun. And there's the light side of the moon, but it is so tied together that it affects weather on the earth. Not only that, but it makes it so the earth is, if we did not have the sun, there would be no life possible on the earth. If we did not have the moon and the way that God has put the moon in the, in, in the orbit of the earth, we, life would be unlikely at best. See, the earth sits on an axis, and you know this, and we always see that it's not a straight up and down, a north pole and south pole. It's kind of tilted. I don't know what perspective that's coming from, because if you're in space, whatever way you turn your spaceship, it could be straight up and down. We don't know. But let's just say it's over here. But did you know that the earth spins on its axis, but it also wobbles while it's on its axis? And if the moon were not there, it would wobble in such a way that weather would be unpredictable. We would have no seasons, and we would probably not be able to to live. But the moon, because of its gravitational pull and its relationship to the, to the planet Earth, we have stability and some predictability. It's amazing. It blows me away that we are able to, to see this natural satellite in the sky, and we see it when? At night, primarily. You can see it on occasion on the horizon during the daytime. It blows me away that God in his providential care and his creative capacity decided to relate something to us in such a way that even it, not just the sun, not just the distance from the sun, not just um, the chemical makeup and the, and the oxygen and carbon-based uh, life here on earth, but that if we did not have this natural satellite floating around the earth or spinning around the earth and rotating on its own axis to keep our axis kind of stable, we would not, we might exist, but not for long. Now, scientists, many astronomers, if not most, believe that the moon was created or was 
became when Earth and a Mars-sized object collided, and then the debris all spread around. Some went off to wherever, to the Nova, I don't know. And then a bunch of it coalesced because of its orbit around the Earth and it compacted and became the moon. And that might be true, I don't know. But I know that if the scripture tells us that God is the one who created the heavens and the Earth. So if indeed a Mars-sized object and Earth did collide and make, in order to make the moon so that it spun at the right rate and it was the right distance away and it, it affected our tides and our weather and all those kind of things and it kept the wobble from happening that God might have been playing marbles with and like a kid and boom and I, I don't know but God in his infinite creative wisdom decided that we would have a moon now there's a reason to tell you about this we don't hear a lot about the moon in scripture but I'm hoping that you will see that the moon tells us something about us God's care for the earth by putting the moon where it is and his care for the earth by putting the church where it is. And that sermon will be putting those two things together. Now, the one thing I would like to ask you to be thinking about through the prayer and into the message when we read through these five scriptures that are about light is this. There's a, one of my favorite lyricists other than Lynn is Rich Mullins. And Rich Mullins, I should not say that he did not have a great voice because I have a terrible voice. But his voice was not one that you would go, oh, he should have a national or worldwide audience. But his lyrics were amazing. In one of his songs, he has this simple lyric. It says, the stuff of earth competes for the allegiance, meaning our, our allegiance. But I owe only to the giver of all good things. I want you to hold on to that thought. I'm going to pray. And then we'll walk through this and we'll talk about the moon and the church and why I see a connection. And I believe without question at this point that God put that in my head because we need a reminder that the sun still shines at nighttime. Let's pray. Lord, stand in my shoes. Give me your thoughts and speak with my mouth so that your people hear what you want them to hear today. Lord, as we read from the beginning of creation, as we read your words about yourself, as we read your words about yourself again, and as we read your words about us, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive what you want us to hear, see, and receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, at the very beginning of Scripture in he at Hebrew University um, in Jerusalem, this comes from Ray Vanderlaan years ago, but I, I've heard that the, condi the, 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 um, the tradition continues. When the, the students sit down and they're asked to read in Hebrew the first words of the Bible, um, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, um, that, that the professor will yell at the student, in the beginning, he does, they're doing it in Hebrew. I can't do it in Hebrew. I can do it in Greek, in our he, our halagos. Um, but I can't, do it, I can't do it in Hebrew because it's too much. Um, I just, that's why I put those things on the cup. Um, uh, but they would start to read, in the beginning, God created. Stop! In the beginning, God created. Stop! And he would keep saying stop until they stopped it. In the beginning, God. Because he says, if you can't, if you can't believe, if you can't get past, you shouldn't go any further if you don't understand that nothing except God before anything. God has always been, and when we consider time, the author of time, the creator of time, the creator of space, the creator of light is God. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God, the ruach of God is what it's called in Hebrew, was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was tob. It's the Hebrew word for good. And he separated light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Beautiful passage. And some people get all caught up in whether this is a literal day or not. I, that is a debate for minds much greater than mine. In the beginning, God, and God said, let there be, and there was. That blows me away. If God speaks, things become. Things that were not, now are. It blows me away. And the very first thing he created, the very first thing he spoke into being was light. Now, I've used this illustration before. I think it's kind of comical, but it helps us understand the difference between light and darkness. Yes, we all know that, that there, light is not the absence of darkness, but darkness is the absence of light. Okay, we got that. But have you ever, you, you can go walk into a very dark room and turn on a flashlight and it makes the dark room lighter. It creates a cone of light that you can direct in different. But have you ever gone into a, a room of light and turned on a flash dark? It doesn't work. Because darkness cannot exist where light is. And God says that light is good. And he calls and he separated the, night, the, the, the light from the darkness. And he, created, he called the light, the, the light day and the dark night. But there's something he left hanging in the sky during the night. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a little while. Now, Jesus, when he was walking the planet, he, he called himself, referred to himself as the light of the world. Right after the woman who was caught in adultery and he has this thing and he says, no one's left to condemn you, no one, sir. Then I don't condemn you either. I want you just to go and live a life of no more sin. He then starts talking to the people because when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So now you've got the sun, the light of the world. And now the son of God, son with an O, the son of God says, yes, there are those celestial bodies that bring warmth and create vitamin D in us and help us heal and, and warm up and grow crops and all of that stuff. But when it boils right down to it, what, what matters most is the person of the second, the second person of the Trinity, God with skin on, the incarnate being. Jesus is the light of the world. And if you walk in him, you will never walk in darkness, but in the light of life. And then he later, just one chapter later, he says that while, make sure I got it here. While I am in the world, meaning with flesh, I am the light of the world. And then in Matthew, he takes it further and he says this, you, me, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So the very first thing God created was light. And then when Jesus shows up, one of the things he says early is, I am the light of the world. 
And then he says, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And then he tells you and me, you are the light of the world. Okay. That sounds nice. So what? Well, would you agree that we're living in dark times? It's weird, isn't it? We've got a pandemic. We have 11 senators, I believe, as of this morning, 11 senators and 14 Congress representatives to Congress who are going to protest or uh, object to the uh, electors that have been certified by the state governors and the legislators to be to vote who is going to be the vice or the, the the new president, whether it's the current president is going to extend his term or the what people are calling the president elect. He's not actually officially the president elect until after January 6. And I've seen Christians and pagans and everywhere in between basically banking their life and their future on what happens January 6. Some on January 5, when the Senate runoff vote happens in Georgia, who controls the Senate? And, and I get it. I'm, I'm, look, I'm pretty slippery on this stuff. If you try to pin me down, I've got a strong enough mind that I can walk my way around it. My own son does not know how I vote, but I pay attention, and I, and I, and I pay attention to all of it. Both sides, all sides, everywhere in between, conspiracy theories, prophetic theories, all, everywhere in between. And, and the one thing I notice that scares me is that we believe that the stuff of earth will bring us hope. There are people that are saying no matter what happens on January 6, 2021, that we will be closer than we've been since the 1860s and or right after the Civil War. We'll be closer to Civil War than we've ever been before since then. What? As a Christian, are you banking on that? I mean, I want my vote to count. And I don't want fake votes to take mine away. I don't want any of that. But human institutions will let you down every time. Look at scripture. Look at the history of the world. It never works out than creates a utopia or peace or hope or anything that's lasting. We live in a dark time where person is turned against person. I know people in this church that are not talking to each other anymore because of who they voted for. That is sinful. Because we are children of God. We worship the Most High. We are redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And we are the light of the world. What is the world looking at and seeing? A sliver of a moon with a cloud-filled sky and storms a-coming? See, the sun still shines at nighttime. It doesn't stop when it goes down in the west and then we magically turn around between 7 and 14 hours later and, hey, there it is. It's still shining and we know it because there's a moon in the sky that always reflects the sun that shines even in darkness. And you are that moon for this world. 
He put the moon in the darkness so that we're reminded that there's always light. The sun is always shining. And he put the church, the supernatural vehicle by which Jesus has decided to, to proclaim the gospel and advance the visible growth of his kingdom on this planet for all of humanity. It's so that people will know that the sun still shines. That the light of the world that gives light of life is still alive today and brings hope to humanity. And who are they looking at? What's gonna show them when it's a dark time, when there's chaos, when there's insecurity, when there's anxiety, when there's accusation, when there's turmoil, when there's war, when there's rumors of war, and when there is political unrest? Where are people gonna look? Well, they're gonna turn to the stuff of earth by nature. But what if, what if the church all around the world, the supernatural vehicle, these, these, these people that say, not me, not me. I will not be shaken. I'm gonna stand firm and know that no matter what happens, come what may, this too shall pass. The scripture never says it came to stay. It came to pass. And folks, I don't know if ugly stuff is coming. I have no idea, but I can look in scripture and I can see times when ugly stuff happened. When the Babylonians took over Israel and they destroyed Jerusalem. The whole book of Lamentations is about Jeremiah talking about the destruction of, of his, of everything that he knew, the temple worship and, and all that was of God. But God, right before that happened, right before they were sent into captivity for seven zero years, 70 years, God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future, but you've done things that you should not have done. You have skipped the year of Jubilee 70 times. And so you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. But I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to work in the heart of a king later. And he's going to release you. Not only that, but he's going to pay to have the temple rebuilt. And I will reestablish my kingdom on this planet so that all the world can see. From the very beginning of time, God has said, I will be your God. You will be my people. And we've been praying 2 Chronicles 7.14 for a long time. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and they will confess their sin and they will call on my name and I, I, will, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And like, man, God, why aren't you healing our land? Politically, socially, there's a wobble in a, in a tide of, of human whim and will and, 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 uh, and, and fickleness that just keeps moving and growing and just, oh, He is healing our land. But it's just not the way we want. Not the way I want. Remember those people that thought that Jesus, who was the Messiah, that he's going to come in on a white horse and gather an army and knock down Rome and Israel will be placed in its proper place. There'll be a theocracy and all the world will see how great Israel is because God put them in charge. They wanted a warrior king and they got a wounded healer and a suffering servant. How long it took for King Ahab to get his comeuppance. And, and, and uh, I'm forgetting her name now. What's the terrible woman? Jezebel, thank you. I had another name and it would not have been good. <laughs> and Jezebel, how long it took, how terrible the people had gone. And then what had to happen in order to restore worship of God 
See, there are times, folks, that God allows his people to suffer so that his will will be done. He will be our God and we will be his people. And it's not just us. God does not have a plan B. Lynn and I have been studying from a teacher named Michael Heiser, and he talks about the three major rebellions in Scripture. The rebellion of sin in the garden, with Adam and Eve deciding that not, not what you want, Lord, but what I want. And they were, death came into the world, sin entered the picture, uh, turmoil and, 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 and pain entered and thistles and terrible weeds started growing and things weren't, and he kicked them out of the garden. And then, but they were still supposed to be walking and talking and knowing and loving God. And then evil got so rampant that God says that nothing but evil was being done. And so he brought the flood and he wiped everything. He gave the world a good bath. And then after that, the same, the same plan, be fruitful and multiply and spread out over the earth. But they all decided to build this big tower and that they're going to be like God and they're going to they're make it so that God has to come to them in this place. And they all had one language and God goes, ah, that's enough. And so he disturbed their languages and scattered them all around the world. And that's the world we live in today. But Michael Heiser tells us that, you know, God didn't start and then there was sin and go, oh, well, okay, let's try, let's try something else. And then there was the, the evil in the world. Well, okay, we'll do the flood. We'll try something else. And then, um, well, now there's a language issue and okay, we'll try something else. There's never been a plan B for God. Never, not once, not ever. Before the creation of the earth, before time began, before there was light, that pierced darkness before God said, let there be, and there was, plan A is still true. God wants a family of flesh and blood to live on this earth in relationship with him in such a way that we have a walking, talking, knowing, and loving relationship with him from now and forevermore. And that is still his plan today, but we still count on the stuff of earth to bring it about, we, or the stuff of earth to comfort us, the stuff of earth to redeem us, the stuff of earth to put those other people in their place and let them get what's coming to them. That is, justice is mine. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We're told that Jesus is our hope, but more than that, we're told in scripture, our hope is is God. It's not just in God. It is God. Our hope is the Lord. Not in the Lord. It is the Lord. God is hope. And the vehicle that he uses to communicate that hope to the world is you and me. And we are supernatural. The church, the body of Christ, his bride, the one he loves the most. He wants us to stabilize the wobble. He wants us, when the, the tides are rising and it looks like it's going to wash over everything, to be that stabilizing factor that the orbit doesn't change. We're always reflecting light and something gets stabilized. And this world today needs to know that something bigger than themselves, something bigger than man's institutions, something bigger than politics, something bigger than medicine, something bigger than all of that is still there. And you and I are the moon. As dark as it gets, as chaotic as it gets, as scary as it gets, we tell the world the sun, S-O-N, still shines no matter how dark and bleak and anxious and accusatory and worried the world gets. 
So how you doing? Because I get fearful. I get anxious. I know how I wanted to go on January 6th. But I also know that every time I banked on something, I've been disappointed. But I've never just been disappointed here. Don't always like it. But it's always proved to be right in the long game. No matter how hard it is in the short game. So I'm going to say to you the same thing that Joshua said to the people when they came into the promised land. Our God is a jealous God. Not in a bad way, but he wants to be your primary and only allegiance. So choose this day whom you will serve. Whether it be the gods or the stuff of earth, the the things that everyone else puts their hope in. But as for me and my household... We will serve the Most High God, His Son, and we will worship through the Spirit that He sent to live within me. And I pray that you will do the same, that you will be unshakable, unmovable, without fear. I'm not saying be stupid. Wear a mask if it's scary out there. I look both ways when I cross the street because I'm smart. I put shoes on my feet because my feet are tender. So I do plenty to protect my, I I heat my house. I do plenty to protect myself. I'm not saying be stupid, but I am saying this. God is light and you reflect it. And people, when all the other, the stuff of earth, when it fails them, They'll be looking. Make sure they see the light. Let's pray. Lord, as we prepare to receive this means of grace, communion, as we search our own hearts, we ask you to remind us that our job is plan A, that you have chosen to communicate to this planet who you are and how much you love them through us. Lord, encourage us to do just that. Empower us to do just that. And strengthen us for whatever comes next. We pray this in the name of your son who took on flesh and is the light of the world through the power of the spirit that makes us reflectors of that light for the glory of God our Father, the creator of all things. We pray, amen.